Welcome to Soul's Temple, aka the Gingerbread Monastery. I'm your host, King Soul, and thanks for tuning in. Merry belated Christmas, uh, happy solstice, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah. If you're one of those people who think PC culture has run amok and that there is a ongoing war on Christmas, uh, I just want to say I think that's a bunch of nonsense and, uh, I was thinking about it earlier, and I think not celebrating Christmas is like having a peanut allergy, and that's not to conflate the two. Like, there's some sort of defect if you don't celebrate Christmas, but it's just one of those things where if you're making a meal, you know, or like if you're like, you know, parents nowadays know like, well, I don't know because I'm not a parent, but you know, from what I hear, like if you have a party, you know, with you know, all your son's friends, you ask beforehand, hey, you know, does Timmy have any allergies? Um, and if you don't, it could just be a case where you're like, oh, look, I made, you know, you know, peanut casserole or whatever, you know, parents make nowadays or like ever. I don't know. Like, I just, you know, I, I bought a bowl of cashews for the kids to munch on. And it turns out Timmy has a peanut allergy. You know, it's the same thing where it's just kind of courteous to just ask people like, you know, do you celebrate Christmas? I'll say, oh, yeah, I celebrate Christmas. Well, in that case, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. You know, telling someone having, you know, telling someone to have a Merry Christmas really doesn't have anything to do with you. You know, it's, it's like saying hello or, you know, goodbyes directed towards a person. You know, it has nothing to do. It should have nothing to do with your beliefs. Um, and that's why for me, this whole like the idea of a war on Christmas, you know, it's absurd to me because it's making something that's not personal, deeply personal. Um, and yeah, basically just stop with the nonsense. Ask people what they celebrate. And, you know, if you care about that person or you like that person or you love that person, your friends, acquaintances, co-workers, you know, just tell them, hey, happy, you know, I hope you have a happy Kwanzaa or I hope you have a, you know, wonderful Hanukkah. Just don't don't be dumb. Just ask people. It's not that hard, um, but people will make it harder than it should be. But I know for me personally, um, I had a wonderful Christmas. I don't. It's weird because me and God are cool. You know, I, I'm a Christian and I, you know, I pray and, um, I've had very personal experiences with God, but I'm not a big fan of Christmas and what it currently or has, you know, even before my, or even before my time. But, you know, it seems like each year it just exacerbates how, you know, commercial it is and how, um, not about even even if you you know celebrate christmas but aren't a christian you know it's not a not very family oriented it's very you know just commercial and consumerist so i'm i'm not a fan of christmas um but i had a wonderful christmas had a um you know uh you know we called it a ninja christmas it's basically you know christmas light you know that's a l-i-t-e not l-i-g-h-t you know no no holiday puns here. Um, but yeah, you know, we just exchanged gifts and had a good time. And, you know, just without all the frills and unnecessary stuff, it was just, it was a really nice experience. I was back in North Carolina and it was just wonderful, you know, and shout out to, you know, my ladybug and her family for inviting me, uh, to spend the holiday with them. It was a really great Christmas. Um, one of the best. Um, I've had in recent years, probably two years in a row because I didn't spend it with my own family. Um, 
but it was just a really wonderful experience and that is why this is coming out or this is at least being recorded hopefully i can get it out before you know clock strikes 12 but this is being recorded on a tuesday because i just i didn't want to i didn't want to record you know and have to separate myself from the family we were all just having a really good time um and you know i just love being a part of that so i didn't i thought you know i know i know there will be people who listen and uh maybe there will be people who were really expecting an episode and then didn't get one i don't know but you know i'm not doing this for anyone but myself just kind of putting you know doing this from just creating for me putting it out there sharing it with the world hopefully people receive it well and uh stick with me even if i don't you know post on the usual sunday monday uh schedule that i'm that i've been adhering to thus far um but yeah so enough with the the holiday talk i really wanted to get into or what i was intending to to talk on sunday which i'm now talking about now um on this this episode's mind and soul um i guess the biggest news for me would just be that trump won the electoral vote now you know i'm gonna break this down um the Republican nominee, or who was the Republican nominee, Donald Trump, won the electoral vote, um, which was concluded on, you know, Monday, December 19th. The popular vote was in November, and that's where everyone, that's the one where everyone goes to the polls, um, you know, gets their little stickers and their cookies. I think, you know, at my polling station, we got donuts. Um, but, the popular vote or the way the system works in the U.S. is that we all basically, you know, they say this is a representative republic. And so we were voting for representatives to vote for us. Um, and if you ask me, it's just it seems inefficient on the surface, like an unnecessary middleman. Um, but basically, each state uh, is kind of like a, a microcosm and whoever wins the popular vote in that state gets the um the party's electors so the republican if the popular vote is majority republican then the electors for that state will be republican so we all basically you know voted for our electors and then on the 19th um they voted for Donald Trump and not all of them, you know, there were Democratic electors in states like New York and my state, Maryland or California. And then, you know, in quote unquote, uh, red states, they had their Republican electors. Um, but Trump got the majority, uh, votes needed. You need at least 270 uh, necessary votes to become the next president, um, of the United States. And, those electors went to the state capitals and overwhelmingly they voted for Donald Trump. And I'm not exactly sure why, you know, I think this whole, this whole election cycle has been really confusing to me because for me, it's been not so much empathizing um, because they're, you know, white supremacists or, uh, I don't know, in a way, in a way, voting is very, very selfish. You know, people vote in their self-interest and not in the, in, and not necessarily the best interests of, you know, the group. 
you know, I always think about people who are old, like the elderly people, uh, like elderly white people who voted for Trump. You know, for me, it makes no sense for elderly white people to vote for Trump because, you know, the, the effects that it has on the people younger than them are far greater than it does on them, you know. Um, and just point blank, just because, you know, people who are older, the, you know, the, the light, the, too morbid. But, you know, how long they have left, you know, it seems like that compared to the reverberations that it can have for younger generations almost seems selfish. And it's very much so where it was selfish for, um, you know, uh, white Republicans to vote for Donald Trump because they're afraid of their whiteness slipping out of their hands um, or, you know, afraid of, you know, the United States becoming browner or becoming gayer. As I talked in a previous episode, um, white America, your insecurities are showing. Uh, yeah, basically, like, if you if this is your first time listening, I encourage you to listen to the back catalog. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's some good stuff uh back there some little gems but it's it's really confusing to me because you know as i did research because i i i honestly believe that a lot of people kind of sit back uh passively um and in our government or just in our civics you know so i've been trying to challenge myself trying to push myself to learn more and more and there are some states that you know require their electors to vote according to the popular vote so you know, if state A has a law that says you have to vote the popular vote, if the state majority voted Republican and that state elects, you know, or the, the electors for that state are then uh, Republican because the majority were Republican, those electors have to vote for the party nominee. And, but not every state, you know, and there, there were some people who didn't vote for Donald Trump, but, you know, very few. There were actually people who didn't vote for Hillary. Um, or who were Democrats. And I think, you know, even that says a lot, but I just, I'm, I'm consistently baffled by people. You know, they, they said there was a big petition, you know, and I was a part of the petition to the extent at which one can, you know, whether it was retweeting things or just keeping along with the updates. I don't want to, you know, portray myself as some integral, you know, gear, uh, to the movement, uh, in that particular petition on change.org. Um, I think I put a, a link in a previous episode, but you know, I'll put it, I'll put it in this one as well. But just the fact that there were so many people who, after he was elected in the popular vote, who urged the electors, you know, vote along with your conscience, you know, and that was the original objective of these electors anyway, just to, okay, we're voting for you and now we trust you to do what's best for us. And I don't, you know, and I'm a, I'm a scientific leading type of person, so I, I can't say that I have the evidence um, currently that there are people who did this for other reasons, you know, and I, there have been the stories of, you know, the electors being harassed and, you know, saying that their hands are tied and everything, but I just truly believe that, or I rather, it's hard to believe that there are people who think that he's the best option, you know? Um, and that's why even, even in this moment, you know, I might've referred to him as, you know, president or 
president-elect, but, you know, that man isn't my president. And it, it took a lot of, um, it took some a, a while to get to that point, but I was listening to a podcast called Politically Reactive with W. Kamau Bell and Harry uh, Kundabalu. Um, I'll put a link because this is a really good podcast, but in one of them, they were talking to a Green Party uh, uh, member, and I think she was she was at one point she ran as the vice or the vice president nominee of the green party and she was saying that you know obama particularly you know while he was campaigning for hillary said that donald trump was uh inept you know he was not at all capable um of being president and then as soon as he was elected you have to I, you know i see it from obama's perspective because you know, the way this country is supposed to work is that you have this clean, smooth transition between power. Um, and I can almost see, you know, it being a case where you might say during the campaign that he's inept, but, uh, you know, in the preservation of that, like, peaceful tradition and to prevent, you know, chaos, you just, you say, you know, you train him or give him advice or you have counsel with him. Um, but it was really a thing where, you know, uh, in, in that episode, it was mentioned that, you know, if he was inept, then he's still inept, you know, and it's not to say that, you know, once inept, all, always inept, but he's shown repeatedly that he, he's willing to, you know, hire, uh, and surround himself by white supremacists, you know, and we have to do, all of us have to do, a uh, a, our, our duty to refuse to use the term alt-right. Um, cause it gives too much credence and too much credibility to this fact that they're almost an organization. But, you know, uh, he's what the point blank is just neo-Nazi white supremacy. And so he surrounded himself with white supremacists and neo-Nazis and sexists and, you know, misogynists and racists. Um, and, you know, just basically assembling a cabinet of bigotry. Um, and, his comments, you know, have shown that he's not willing to separate himself from the group or that he might not actually know facts, you know, and all of this kind of lends to the fact that he's not, he's not, uh, he, I, you know, for at least what I thought he wouldn't be a lot of people or no one's first choice. Um, but I think, you know, Obama, and I don't blame Obama for this, uh, because I think it's his, part of the responsibility of being the president of the U.S., but I think it says a lot that, you know, at one point in the recent past, you know, he was stating that he was incapable, you know, that Trump was incapable of being president. And so, you know, Trump is still not my president. And it's one of those things where 2017 will be a year of learning and doing for me. You know, I just want to continue uh, listening to people's perspectives, um, reading as much as I can, creating as much as I can, um, adding to whatever movements, you know, are mobilizing, whether that's the continuation of Black Lives Matter, um, whether that's, you know, um, no DAPL, just, you have to realize that, you know, I was having a discussion with someone who was saying that, you know, um, presidents are just figureheads or that's what people believe and to a large degree it's true you know presidents don't have as much power 
as we blame them for in a lot of ways, you know, because there's that there's that old joke where, you know, whenever something's wrong, it's just, you know, thanks, Obama. And, you know, a lot of a lot of what, you know, you might blame Obama for in that case uh, isn't his fault because he just that's not his jurisdiction. You know, and there, you know, we all learned in, in school, we were supposed to learn, you know, about checks and balances that we don't have an almighty nation state, you know, or we don't have an almighty, you know, leader or dictator um, of our nation. And so there are many players um, involved here. But at the same time, you know, we've seen Donald Trump uh, encourage, you know, hate crimes. There was a spike in hate crimes after, um, you know, his election. My boss, smart guy, almost a family friend, you know, because me and his son are very close. Uh, we've been we, like, we've gone to, well, we went to high school since eighth grade together. And so like, we're really close friends and I know his family really well. And his dad, however, is the only person in the family who voted for Donald Trump. And he was invited to go to a rally in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And his dad, and you know, I work for his dad now, um, until you know, I, I'm getting the, the money to go back to school. But in the meantime, you know, him being a good guy, he drives me uh, home after work. And, you know, after he went to this Trump rally in Hershey, he, he told me, he was like, you know, I went and I thought it was going to be a fun time and I was scared. You know, it's just a bunch of angry white, like, it's just a bunch of angry white people. It's just chaotic. Um, and at this point, you know, I kept, uh, it's always weird. You know, it was one thing, it would have been one thing if it's, you know, if I didn't work for him because, uh, he's a very casual type of dad type of person. Um, and so I, I, you know, I could have said something, but it was one of those moments where I was like, it's kind of late, you know, to be scared. You know, the rest of us have been scared for a while. Um, but that, that feeling, you know, that he, that Trump can, you know, uh, extract out of people, you know, just that anger and that resentment, um, and racism and, you know, all of these negative, um, attitudes out of people. I think that's something that we have to take notice of, something that we have to prepare for. And all, and, you know, I say that to say this, um, 2017 is not only about battling Trump. There are a lot of people that, you know, we are fighting against. If you are with the fight, you know, if you're not with the fight, I'm almost, I'm curious why you're listening. Um, maybe you're trying to do some research, some intel, uh, on, on, no name podcaster at the moment, but, um, it's one of those things where the, the fight will be long and the fight will be hard and it didn't end on, you know, election day. It didn't end on the 19th of December. It's not going to end on the 6th when, you know, the official numbers come out or it doesn't end on the 20th when of inauguration day, this fight will, you know, keep, keep going. We all have to do our part. Whether that's, you know, donating to organizations like EFF or Planned Parenthood or NAACP, like whatever, whatever we can do. I know in my case, I enjoy, I just, I enjoy learning. So I'm just trying to do whatever I can to, you know, read more, um, absorb more, be influenced by more, and then share what I've learned, you know, share my teachings, um, 
share the messages that I receive, whether it's through podcasts, uh, whether it's through conversations, just doing whatever I can. I think it's just upon all of us to just uh, look within ourselves and just see, you know, what is it that I can do to, if this is something that you believe in, what is it that I can do to make this a better a better situation than what we were given or what we were placed in. Um, so yeah, I just want to, I just want to, there was a lot of, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of layers to this, you know? Um, but I just wanted to touch on that. And that was just the main thing. I just want people to be vigilant and I just want people to be active. You know, I don't want, I would hate to see after everything that's happened in 2016, you know, after all the lives we lost as of this recording, you know, we lost, uh, we just unfortunately lost Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, uh, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. And, you know, throughout the year, losing big names like Muhammad Ali and Prince and David Bowie. And, you know, on Christmas, um, losing George Michael. Uh, and it's one of those things where uh, I don't want to, it's not so much like, you know, not having all of their lives go in vain or something uh, to that effect, but just after suffering so much loss, whether it's, you know, the lives of people that we've looked up to and idolized or losing uh, a grasp of the, the concept of the country that or the actual reality of the country that we live in, losing those types of things. And then 2017 comes and, you know, we just sit back. You know, we can't sit back. We have to stand up. Um I just want people to stand up. You know, you don't have to march in the streets. You don't have to put your boots in the streets, you know. But if you're an artist, you know, make music, paint. You know, I talked I talked about this before in a previous episode where it's just we all have our roles and we all have things that we are good at and that we are talented at and that we are knowledgeable in. We all just have to share that for the betterment of all of us. Um, but, yeah, so that's mind and soul. Um and I guess this is going to be pretty short because I was, there was some other stuff like talking about universal basic income or like gerrymandering. Cause I'm trying to figure out if, you know, the, the way that the electoral, um, you know, the way that counties are split up or were split up by the Republicans in 2010 led to partly the election of Donald Trump. I'm not completely sure, um, yet. But it's gonna that that's basically mind and soul. I wanted to get into uh, the next segment, eyes and ears, which for those who are new is just like things that I listen to, things that I watch. So let's let's talk about there's a show on Netflix and it's called Three Percent. And it's about a group of twenty year olds and this administration that has this thing it's a process. Right. There's a offshore. OK. Um, it's actually a, a Brazilian Netflix um, original. And basically, you know, you have the Brazilian favelas um, and then there's this place called the offshore where three percent of the, you know, these 20 of the I guess the country's 20 year olds uh, get to travel to. And people talk about it like or have been using it the the framework of Hunger Games to describe it, but it's kind of it's interesting because it's very different in that um, it it I think it it goes into like the mentality more than Hunger Hunger Games was always 
kind of to me like you know similar like you know you have affluent you know districts and then you know poor districts but at the end of the day you have people who are training um and trying to better themselves so that when the time comes for the hunger games you know they can do well for their city but it, even in that respect this isn't so much you know doing well for your family you're doing well for your city it's uh doing well for yourself you know people are just trying to get out basically i you know i heard that um those who live in favelas uh, say that the best way to describe favelas are just favelas you know not to describe them as slums or ghettos so there are people who live in these favelas and you know they don't they just want to get out um and so it was made by a guy named Pedro Agu uh, Aguilera. He's a Spanish director and writer. Um, but it's set in this dystopian Brazilian future. And I'm still not sure why, like, only 3% can go. I think, you know, maybe it's just for the competition. Um, it could be, like, you know, a lack of resources or there's uh, an elitist mentality. Um I also don't know why you have to be 20. You know, it kind of seems like an ar arbitrary thing. Like, yeah, like when you're 20, now you're allowed to go. Um, it could be a thing where there, well, the, the way the process works is that there, you know, there are mental tests, there are social, physical, like tests that mess with your mind, like emotional tests and everything. So it might be a thing where at 20, you're, you know, mature in enough of those areas where, uh, where, you know, you have a chance of passing. Um, but it's, it's an interesting episode, or it's an interesting show because it's just this idea that there was this couple, you know, they're, they're called the founding couple and they left the, the, the mainland basically to go to the offshore. Um, and I don't, it, the, the, the idea of why they went is because, you know, they didn't, they they decided they weren't going to have children um and that so there are actually no children on the offshore um and at the end of the day it's still it's still like all of this still kind of sounds weird and loose but i like the, the show a lot because it plays with these ideas of like meritocracy i wasn't really invested into the series until like the fourth episode because in the fourth episode things get violent um like episodes one through three are kind of character building and there are some tests like you kind of see how the process goes um on the like uh on like a like they're like iq tests you know and observational or spatial uh geometrical and stuff like that but then the fourth episode thing get violent and at that point it wasn't like okay i'll you know i'll just keep watching to see how it ends it was like okay i want to watch it because I want to know how it ends. But, you know, it, it plays with this idea of meritocracy where on the left hand, you know, it's, it's almost a fair place where, you know, as long, the only point of entry is that you have to be 20. You know, if you're 21, you know, you can't, you've probably already, if you're 21 and you're still alive, then that means you went through the process and you were eliminated. And if you're 19, and that means you just, you haven't had your shot yet and you get your shot when you're 20. Um, and there are these, you know, like I said, there are spatial tests, physicals, you know, um, 
you know, they're supposed to, it's supposed to seem like a, a fair environment. But on the right hand, you have like an initial, there's an initial, like it's the interview with the, the applicants and there the, it seems like an arbitrary set of like rules on who gets eliminated and who doesn't, like who keeps going. Um, people cheat in the, I think in the first test, it was a spatial test and, you know, everyone had to like build cubes. Oh yeah. By the way, I don't care about spoilers. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep talking. Um, but people build cubes and one guy didn't have enough cubes. So he stole someone else's and they didn't kick him off. They kicked off the person who now didn't have enough cubes. Um, and along with cheating, there was, you know, there's murder. Like we watched these kids, but I think it was in the fourth episode where they basically go tribal. Um, like a kind of Lord of the Flies thing where, you know, the, the whole idea of coordination and camaraderie go out the window and then they just start murdering each other. Um, which is part of the reason why I was so enticed by it. And, you know, and all of this is just to get ahead. You know, people, that's why I said it's not even so much for your district, you know, not even a quote unquote, like justifiable reason for cheating or for murdering because it might mean, you know, the benefit of like many more people than yourselves. No, it's just people who just want to go to the offshore for a better life, you know, and, but it makes you wonder, like, shouldn't 100% of the people go to the offshore and not just 3%? Um, but it kind of, you know, now I think about it, basically just 100% is just, you know, Patrick starring the whole thing and just pushing it somewhere else. Um, and, you know, pushing the, con- the conditions and the wealth disparity and the, you know, the poverty. But I don't think only 3% being allowed to go is the solution to, you know, your nation suffering. Um, and even, you know, that 3% that I just mentioned in, in the series, they're meant, they're described as actual people, implying that the 97% are, you know, aren't actual people, uh, that they are not not fictional but subhuman and so it's really kind of messed up like you kind of see um the behind the curtain of the meritocracy you know there are a whole religious uh there's a whole religious sect of people who think that this is a fair process who you know who you know challenge their kids to register for the process and you know strive to go to the offshore like there are people who believe in this but there are the people running it don't necessarily, you know, view those people as even people. So it's a, it's an interesting look at the, the meritocracy of it all. Um, I would say that if anything, the acting and the writing are so, so I think a large part of it might have to do with the Brazilian Portuguese to English translation. There are subtitles and there's also a dub, but the subtitles don't line up with the dub exactly. Um, so that might have something to do with it, but I would definitely check it out if you have the time or even the interest. Um, and the other thing of three things, because there's a lot of things. Uh, the other thing is called, uh, American history from emancipation to the present. And it's a online course, a Yale open course. And for those who don't know, basically, uh, we're in the future and you can take classes online. Like, I, you know, I'm currently taking a Yale class. I don't get credits for it um, or, you know, um, I don't, uh, I mean, I could talk to other people who take the course because there are always communities online, um, people working 
uh, asynchronous, asynchronously and synchronously, you know, who might have worked on the course in the past or are currently working on it. But basically, uh, in this case, at least, uh, Yale recorded a series of lectures from different topics. Um, I've actually heard of this course in particular before, but at the time I just, I was, I think I was doing a course on death, um, and just like the philosophy behind it. Uh, I dropped, I, mean, I didn't, it's not like a, you know, drop course thing like in school. I just stopped, you know, watching the videos, but this course is, um, about African American history in the U.S. And it's funny because after all of the, you know, fiasco, uh, no pun intended, surrounded about around Lupe, he tweeted out, you know, black people should, you know, need to know their history, which I fully agree with. You know, I, there's a, there's a saying that if you want to, you know, dominate a people, separate them from their history. And I think, uh, black people, you know, uh, native, you know, OG people, uh, OG Americans, um, Latino Americans, Asian Americans, like we all need to, uh, touch back, you know, touch base with who we are, you know, what it means to be Asian American, you know, what's the history of, you know, how did your ancestors get here? You know, what did they have to suffer through? Um, what did they experience? I think that's all very important. So this African-American course is really for everyone because African-American history is U.S. history in the same way that, you know, Asian-American history um, is U.S. history and Native OG American history is U.S. history. Um, and so this is just one facet of human history uh, and in particular U.S. history. So this is really for everyone, anyone who's interested in, you know, American history um, and really diving into, um, you know, the political side um, of, you know, what this country was built on. And it's by the, the it's, it's a series of videos and it's cool because alongside the videos, there are the course materials. So, you know, I watched the first video and then I went to the public library and, you know, got the books. And so I'm reading the books now before I go into the second video. Um, but the, the videos are by Jonathan Holloway. He's professor of history, African American studies and American studies. From what I, from a quick Google search, I think he, he's no longer at Yale, but you know, regardless, it's a really fantastic course. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm already learning so much. Um, it was recorded like six years ago, but it still holds up. Um, I don't really think you, need a reason why, but I also think that we're surrounded by reasons why, you know, we're currently, you know, in the, I think the, the race narrative in the U S is black versus white. And that's not the case. There are so many people who get locked out. Um, you know, I believe that if you're, you know, an Islander, um, like if you're Cubano or, from the Dominican or, you know, Haitian, you are, or Puerto Rican, you are black. You know, I think it was expressed to me that basically, um, you, you know, those folks just got off the boat, you know, at a stop ahead of us. So, you know, I think, but I think that people have different experiences, you know, and so it's one of those things where Asian Americans have a different experience than, um, 
you know, black Americans that, you know, Afro, Afro Latinos have a different experience from African Americans. And so, um, the, the race uh, situation in America isn't a dichotomy, even though it's usually set up as such. Um, but it is, you know, the, I think black versus white is a big part. Um, and, it's, if anything, it's just a piece. And so this is just to provide people with a piece. You know, if they, if you're interested in that, um, again, you know, I, I, I can't force you to do anything. I can't even force you, you know, to, you know, open up. I like, I can't force you to open up your laptop and, you know, watch these videos or whatever. But I really encourage anyone who feels, um, like they want to, be an agent of change, you know, in, in order to be an agent, you know, you have to have, uh, the knowledge. And so this is just a piece of that knowledge. And lastly, I just wanted to talk about, uh, chances and Jeremiah's new mixtape, Merry Christmas, little mama, which is kind of surprising because I've expressed before, I'm, I'm disappointed in chances trajectory. There are going to be people who are like, no, like, you don't know what you're talking about. But I was a huge Chance fan. I love 10 Day. I love Acid Rap even more. Um, if you, you know, the fact that, you know, there, there's a hidden track on Acid Rap called Paranoia, um, where, you know, he's talking about, you know, these, this, you know, the, like a brutal, like Chicago lifestyle, um, or just the, his wordplay. Like if you listen to 22 Offs on his first mixtape, 10 Day, like just like it was, it was kind of like a Lupe light, you know, where Lupe, when I listen to him, I, I imagine him sitting in like, you know, like just lying on his bed, just kind of like writing words and seeing how he can manipulate them to do what he wants. And 22 Offs is kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play with the sound and see, like what kind of story I can tell with that. And, you know, you don't really get that, um, now, you know, uh, post coloring book, but I really liked his or their new mixtape, Merry Christmas, little mama. Um, I'm just going to run through it briefly. You know, the first song I wasn't really feeling, it was kind of like when it, it, it was kind of just a standard or standard as, it currently goes chance song. Um, the cool thing was that Hannibal Burris was on the outro and it kind of, I don't, I'm not like a huge Jeremiah fan, but his speaking and like, or, you know, his speaking slash rapping and his singing voices are totally different. And that was kind of like eye boggling, like, because one is like very high and one is like, not like super low, but considerably lower than his singing voice. But the second song snowed in. It's the first song I really liked, had a really good beat. And that basically that, that theme of like the production on the entire, the entire mixtape is wonderful. Um, the third song, Stranger at the Table, you know, again, along with this amazing production, remixed the like, I want you back, Jackson five hook or Jackson five into the hook and even continuing along with themes. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. Kind of like that homage there or that callback. Um, to you know the Jackson Five, um, and it's it's like a really, I think 
maybe has more to do with the original song, but even in this song, just it's a very smooth song. It's very like melodic, and a lot of this has to do with Jeremiah. And speaking of which, the the fourth song, Joy. I wouldn't say that Jeremiah is the strongest part of this album, um, but I think he's a very like he's a more prominent part of this album, um, or not even album. There's a mixtape. Um, to the extent where if someone had to, like, if I had to choose between whose mixtape it is, I would probably say Jeremiah's. Um, but Joy is a really, like, great song. Um, like, basically everything but the first song really, like, like, struck me as, you know, this is a good mixtape. Um, there are Christian, there are, you know, this, you know, Color and Book was kind of like Chance going full trap gospel. And there's a continuation of like the Christian themes, which I don't mind. Um, I know some people were, you know, in the initial like uh, Color and Book release, you know, weren't really feeling the, you know, the overt Christianity. But it's that continuation of Christian themes. And it's the best Chance verse so far on this mixtape, you know, again, he's talking about police brutality and he's talking about, you know, um, he mentioned Betty Jones, who is a Chicago mother of five and victim of, you know, police execution or state funded execution. Um, and, you know, even his wish and his plea for batons instead of guns in Chicago, um, is kind of a powerful thing. And it was, it shocked me, honestly. Um, it's not to say that, you know, he's not capable of the type of topics that he used to talk about, but I just didn't think, I thought that, you know, he was no longer, uh, that was no longer his, his lane anymore. So it was a nice, like, it was nice in a nostalgia, in a, a nostalgia type of way, just to hear him talk about, you know, some of the more, not necessarily cere- cerebral, but just like, I guess that, you know, that sucker punch of, wow, you know, like this like happy go lucky guy is talking about like, you know, police brutality. Um, and it can be really powerful, you know? And so the song after that is I should have left you, which is, you know, I, I wrote down like the danciest song on here and it's, it's, it's serious earworm because it's been in my head since I listened to it. Um, it came like this mixtape came out on the 22nd and there are just times where I'm just like, you know, do, minding my business, doing something, and all of a sudden, like, you know, the hook, um, which Chance sings on that song, you know, it's just, it's like automatically in my head and I can't get it out. But it's a really good song. Um, and I liked it because he calls out, you know, Prince and David Bowie, among other people. And so, it, like, that continuation of like 2016 was like a lot for, you know, people and just this constant theme of like, it's been the worst. Cause it's just, it's, uh, it's just been like a, a layering of unfortunate events. And so just that whole song basically continues the sentiment of like, look, a lot has happened. Um, and the, the whole mixtape is just kind of like in the realm of relationships. And so, you know, whether it's Snowden, which is, you know, wanting to be booed up in a log cabin or, you know, I should have left you, which, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not me and you were, were cutting ties, like all of this is over. Um, but the framing is so much more than just like, you know, two people. The next song is The Tragedy, which is kind of like, it's a really, it's a really sad song. And it's, it's crazy because it deals with like, you know, this, this, the, 
like an image of a homeless man just like out on the streets in the winter by himself. And so I, I know for me, I'm, I'm really, you like, I'm into both happy and, you know, sad songs or, you know, um, more subdued songs and everything. And so like, I really like this song and no name is on it. Um, if you haven't listened to no names telephone, like you should definitely listen to that. I'll repost that on my SoundCloud if, you know, that's where you're listening. Um, and the last song, uh, Chai Town Christmas. Um, I think for me, the big takeaway of this song was that just Chance is expanding his singing, like just hitting like really exploring that upper range of his voice. Um, and it's not bad. I've always liked his voice just because like it's very weird. It's, um, it's almost, it's nothing like Anderson Pack, but just the, the same way that Anderson Pack doesn't fit into like a nice, like, you know, Anderson Pack. I think he's a good singer. And so, but it's one of those things where he raps and sings at the same time. Chance is one of those people who like his rapping is like melodic, but his singing is like not quite singing. And so it's just this weird gray area, but it works for him. And I think he uses it to advantage. Um, but yeah, that was, it was a good mixtape and I would definitely check it out. Um, you can find it on Chance's SoundCloud. Um, it's a, it was dedicated to the city of Chicago. So it's, an, it's a nice little, you know, winter holiday, um, gift to, you know, I'm not saying it's redeeming all of 2016, but it definitely put a smile on my face and I, I listened to it more than once. And that's the show for today. So you can follow me, uh, on SoundCloud, like, share, and repost. Um, if that's, you know, if that's your flavor, I'm on iTunes. If you would be so kind because, you know, a lot of you didn't get me gifts for the holidays. And so I'm asking you just to rate and review on iTunes, um, because it, you know, it's the classic, it's the classic gift for any podcaster, but it helps us out. So, um, if you be so, so kind to rate and review on iTunes, I would much appreciate it. Um, and if you're not on iTunes, well, I'm on Stitcher and Google Play Music, basically wherever you can find podcasts. Don't be stingy, you know, share with a friend. Um, and like I said, I don't, did I say it already? But either way, um, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. Hopefully I can get it out on the same Tuesday. It might be a little bit on the, on the Wednesday morning side. Um, but next week is New Year's. And if next week is anything like this week, then this next week's episode will also come out on a Tuesday, Wednesday, instead of the usual Sunday, Monday. But then afterwards, we're definitely going back to the Sunday, Monday, as far as I can see. So yeah, just, you know, if you want to set your calendar or set an event for yourself, that Souls Temple is coming out uh next Tuesday and then back to the Sunday, if that gives you some peace, then, you know, go for it. But otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at King Soul. That's K1NG50L. And I have a brand new Twitter just for the show. Um, at Souls Temple. That's S-O-L, S-O-L-S-T-E-M-P-L-E. That's Soul, S-O-L. It's like Soul, but no U. S and then Temple. Uh, I got, basically, I got tired of spelling, you know, my handle with all the numbers and stuff. Now I have two things to spell. So that's fun. And if you want to join the conversation, we have our very own, uh, hashtag and it's, Hashtag Souls Temple, just like the, just like the Twitter handle. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you want to 
shoot me, shoot me a message, shoot me a compliment. You know, that'd be nice. It would probably go really well with that iTunes rating and review. But if you want to shoot me some feedback, positive or negative, like I'm always, always got my phone near me. So I'll, you know, I just want to, I want to, I want to interact with you guys. And if Twitter is not your speed, um, I also have an email and it's king souls temple at gmail.com. It's K I N G king S O L S souls T E M P L E at gmail.com. So yeah, if you, uh, if your if your wrath or your joy doesn't fit 140 characters, then you can definitely shoot me an email and I will respond. Um, but yeah, I just want to shout out to you know all the family who's listening, the friends uh, who's listening, my favorite subreddit, Black Fellas, uh, who have been always super supportive. Um, and again, like you know, I want to thank my wonderful girlfriend and her family for uh, just help you know, give me a wonderful Christmas and that I can be a part of their, you know, wonderful Christmas and make them smile. And lastly, if you know any Baltimore podcasters or if you are a Baltimore podcaster um, or if you know the channels to reach Baltimore podcasters, definitely spread the word out. Um, the more podcasts I listen to, it's becoming clear that the majority are based in New York. And I kind of want to, I kind of want to disrupt that, you know, um, and just touch base with people and just kind of make, you know, uh, make some really cool stuff with local people. So if you're a local person or you know local people, definitely uh, shoot them this episode or shoot them the Twitter and the email. You know, do your part. So, yeah, keep shining and grinding. Peace.